Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Dara here. Yeah, I I did do the Crave Champagne event for the magazine this morning. I So I am so far into my day already. We were tasting some... Chandon sparkling wines talking about how to how to pick sparkling for your holiday. I cannot believe it's only eleven o'clock in the morning, Central. What so many things have happened. And what is it what are you cooking? What are you doing? I think that everybody is so shocked by the weather, right? That you're just baking and cooking and making the house warm and smell good. I want to know what you're up to. Text me, 81807. We have a luxurious, lovely, good Ask Me Anything segment at the end. So I want to talk. I also want to know what's the best cookie? What's the best Minnesota cookie? You tell me. And if you're just, your mind has gone completely blank, I'll give you some choices Snickerdoodle, Peanut Butter Blossom. Maybe Peppermint Twist? What is it? You tell me. You tell me. 81807. We'll get to that at the end of the show. And you can spontaneously add more. Maybe you're a a macaroon guy. Maybe that's your thing. I want to know about it. But uh, first off, we have just uh, one of America's great, foremost creative leaders in cooking. It's the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen, Jack Bishop, he was part of the original team that started America's Test Kitchen, launched Cooks Illustrated in the olden days. Now he has so many things, television shows, magazines, websites. They have this new book. This is like my favorite book of the year, even though it's not Fancy Chef book. All right, so National Geographic, you don't know this about me. I love National Geographic. We subscribe my 12-year-old, oh, you know, loves it to bits. We go through all the maps. I love tearing out a map from a National Geographic and spreading it out and looking at all this. So turns out that America's Test Kitchen, Jack Bishop, was at a very boring conference with some National Geographic people. They put their heads together. They're like, what if we created a cookbook together? The first one for adults, they have some kid book too, but the first one for adults is out. It's called Tasting Italy. It is it is so good. You guys, did you ever want a cookbook? Just chock a block with maps. You want to know where the Adriatic Sea is. You want to look at the history of Roman migration. Look at the history of Italian-American migration. It is the greatest thing. I love this book. It is fat and thick and gigantic, and it just blocks up a coffee table. It is so good, and it's got 100 or so. America's Test Kitchen, like perfectly done recipes. So Jack Bishop is here. We're going to talk about this, my favorite new cookbook. And we're going to talk about some other things, including if you remember the time we went to Lund's together in the 90s. Jack Bishop, welcome to the show. Wow, that's an introduction. I'm only going to do interviews from now on with people who've had champagne before they interview <laughs> It has been such a day. I've gotten children to piano lessons. I've packed up their bags so they can get ready for their wax museum next week. My daughter is trying to 
she's got to put together an outfit of, of Ruby Bridges, the the child who helped integrate the schools. I mean, I've had so many things have happened by 11 a.m. That's what it is to be a working mom in America. But this is a, another thing. Do you remember before I had children and we met at the Uptown Lunds and talked about Napa Cabbage? I don't remember the Napa cabbage. I remember everything else. How does that sound? <laughs> Good enough. So you've been you've been in the world of making recipes work and thinking about this for a long time. Yeah, I've been doing this for thirty years. Um, you know, every day I get up and I think about how can I inspire people to cook at home, and when they cook at home, to feel like, hey, I was successful. I'm going to do it again tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. You know, I believe in the power of home cooking. And it is, I mean, so you've, you've, I mean, I think a lot of people haven't really followed. So, you know, Cooks Illustrated was so uh, closely allied with the Bowtie guy, then he took off. Uh, and then, so like you had to put it together, you know, put together, you had this great crew, but you kind of had to unite everybody and make, you know, make it relevant for the future. That must have been hard. Um, you know, it, we're focused on what we do every day. I mean, we get, think about my job. I work with fabulous people. We're eating all day and we get tremendous feedback from our fans Every single day on social media, on email, on phone calls saying, basically, thank you. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to complain about my job. Uh, I don't think that's, uh, that's fair. I will complain. I didn't get to go to Italy for this Tasting Italy book. So, okay, can I complain about that? Oh, yeah, that's not fair at all. A lot of people <laughs> yeah, lived... went to Italy. <laughs> I can see uh, the pictures. Uh, uh, I've lived in Italy. I've traveled throughout Italy, but um, you know the National Geographic team uh, went to Italy for taking photographs. You know they did these amazing maps, which you love. Um, I love these maps so much. Like I want. So tell me, okay, back it up. Tell me how this project came about. Because what I read in Publishers Weekly was that you were just like at a, a you know a conference, like a boring conference, and then you put your heads together. Is that the real story? That is the real story. I was chatting with some folks from National Geographic and, you know, we were talking about books and we started to realize that if you took their work, which is, you know, they take you there with pictures, with maps, with essays and put it together with our work, which is recipes so that you could actually bring Italy to life in your kitchen. Um, that you'd have a unique cookbook, I mean, a book that nobody could do. It's a travel book that you could spend hours and hours sitting by the fire reading, and then you can, you know, walk the book into the kitchen and make 100 recipes uh, from all over Italy and really have an amazing Italian meal in your own kitchen in Minnesota, in Boston, in Los Angeles, wherever you happen to be. And so um, the project got started. We spent about 18 months going back and forth working on it, uh, and it's gorgeous because, you know, National Geographic, they make amazing, beautiful books. It is really gorgeous. And I am very fancy. I've been to Italy myself. And, you know, like you go, it's such a land of regions. The north of Italy is so different from the south of Italy, even though you can drive there in a day. Like it's it's a world. And, the, and it's a lot of it. I was kind of unpassable before the 20th century. It was very hard to leave Sardinia or to, you know, get 
out of Florence to another place because of mountains and and such things as that. And it's uh, the book. What I love about it is it just goes in depth into the regions in ways that it's really hard to even understand when you're there. Like you can't understand the fishing culture of the Adriatic Sea unless you got some time. But then you see all these pictures and you're like, oh, that's where that's why they eat so many, you know, cockles in, uh, you know, Puglia or whatever. It's a uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you think about um, England or you think about France where, you know, they had a king that or a queen that ruled the country and it was a united country for centuries and centuries, you know, thousand years or whatever that time frame is. Italy wasn't a country until the 18, uh, 1870. And so um, the there was no sort of central unifying force. One of those things happens to be cuisine. Um, and so these regions that were very uh, disparate, you know, some of them were hard to get to, mountainous, as you said, islands like Sardinia or Sicily, put that on top of the fact that the geography, because the country's mostly north to south, even though it's a small country, you you go from the Alps, where it's cold and snowy, and there's a lot of dairy and cattle and buckwheat and corn, and honestly looks more like probably from an agriculture perspective, like the Great Lakes or Minnesota. Um, and then you get out of the south, and you know you're almost in Africa, and it's the land of olive oil and basil and tomatoes, and it's hot, hot, hot. Yeah, and it, you know, in this country, we have such an obsession with authentic, right? We're always trying to chase authentic. And one of the things when you travel to Italy, you get this feeling of like, this is authentic, but it, it can be an island, you know, not literally, but it can just be one region's authentic is completely different from another region's authentic. And then to see how close they are. I love also, I got to say, like, just to go back to the maps, the maps are so cool. There's this one map that shows, and I guess talking on the radio about maps is kind of goofy, but it shows the Italian-American, you know, migration and sort of where people came from in Italy and where they ended up in the United States. And just as someone who eats around, you know, the United States, that's an eye-opener, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating. And, of course, that's really another factor in skewing the American perspective on what is Italian food is because the vast majority of immigrants came from uh, just a couple of regions in Southern Italy. And so, you know, that cuisine, which then got adapted and changed with American ingredients, but most Americans who've never been to Italy, I mean, including myself, my great grandparents came from Calabria down the far South across from Sicily. And I assumed when I got off the train in Florence that I was going to find my grandmother's cooking. And there was none of my grandmother's cooking to be found. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing food, but it was totally different than the food I grew up with. And it's and it's that way, you know, it, it, it's just that way everywhere. I mean, uh, Roman pizza is not, you know, it, it, it's not uh, it's not what we think of as like the authentic pizza of Napoli. It's different. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you get to Sicily. I mean, I actually think that the pizza is best in Rome, of all places. Oh, do you? Probably Naples. Um, I I just, I love the pizza in Rome. Um, uh, It's a little bit more cooked um, um, uh, and less doughy than the Neapolitan pizza. Sorry, Uh, that's probably heresy. But (laughs) yes, you know, and up north, you know, a whole different style. Uh, Focaccias, gachatas, all kinds of um, flatbreads. 
um, that are very different than what you get in Rome or what you get different in Naples, which is what, 100 miles south of Rome? Totally different. One of the things I like about the book, too, is that it by the by the focus on geography, it allows you to, you know, because I think there's always pressure on cookbook writers. People want the greatest hits. Like if you're doing an Italian book, you got to do something with mozzarella and, you know, tomato sauce. You got to. But the, the geographical focus allows you to get into, I don't want to say corners, but I'm thinking of this walnut sauce that's in the book. Uh, and, you know, that may not be the first thing you think of as an Italian sauce, but when you look at the, you know, the the deeply forested areas where, uh, you know, the hogs are living and things are happening and walnuts are growing, uh, it makes total sense that that's a season in Italian food is, you know, pasta with walnut sauce. Yeah, I mean, that recipe that you're talking about comes from Liguria in the uh, northwest. Um, and, you know, it's probably best known as this is the home of basil pesto. But they make um, this amazing sauce for pasta that's a lot like basil pesto, except um, there's no basil in it. It's walnuts and cream and parmigiano and a little salt and pepper, and it's finished with a little marjoram or oregano um, just as a sort of garnish. But it is this rich, luxur- luxurious sauce. Um, that's ideal with fresh pasta and is super simple. Um, it's got, you know, including the salt and pepper, six ingredients. And so uh, easily made at home, but something that uh, most people have probably never had. Even people who've been to Liguria may not have had this dish. It's 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 fascinating. We put up your uh, your gnocchi recipe that's on the magazine website, and it's also at WCCORadio.com. You can get, you get there. We'll talk about it in a bit. But it's... Uh, it it's so um it just I love this geographical focus. I've read so many cookbooks in my life and no, you know none of them have these na- the all these maps. You're, are you guys going to do more? There are more places we could go. Um you know we're we're talking about certainly um logical places would be to do a book on France or to do a book on Mexico together. Um, I think, you know, a Mexico book could be really interesting, again, with the same regional approach, because you just get incredibly diverse cuisines. Um, And that, you know, we tend to think of Mexican as a monolith. But, you know, if you're on the Pacific coast or up north or in Yucatan, it's totally different uh, in each of those places. It is. Well, I hope that you do. I would would love a French one. I would love a German one. It's so... It's so interesting. I mean, I have been studying some of the, you know, not not full time, but I've been interested in Italian food for my whole career at this point. And this book brought so many new insights into how things worked. There are these maps of like the uh, migration patterns of shepherds. I I could geek out on this stuff forever. It's so interesting. (laughs) Yeah, and the food is, even for me, I mean, you know, I grew up eating Italian food. I've lived in Italy. I've traveled all over Italy. And there were a lot of dishes that were new to me. Um, there's a, a annulote recipe from the Piedmont, which is one of my favorites. I mean, this is real project, you know, holiday food. Um, annulote is basically uh, rectangular ravioli. I mean, it's a, you make fresh pasta and it's filled with a lightly spiced uh, beef puree. Uh, so you basically, traditionally would be made with leftover braised beef. Um, you know, we're starting with short ribs and it's cooked with savoy cabbage and onions and carrots and then has a little nutmeg. There's no tomato to be found. I mean, this is a recipe that has its, um, you know, its origins in the Middle Ages or the Renaissance before tomatoes even came to Italy. Most Americans think, 
you know, Italians always had tomatoes. They didn't have tomatoes until Christopher Columbus came back with them from the New World. Um, and then these pastas, which again, just a super um, beefy, vegetable, lightly spiced filling inside these beautiful little pastas is a brown butter hazelnut sauce. And um, the Piedmont is where Nutella comes from, you know, so the land of hazelnuts. No chocolate in this recipe, but there are hazelnuts in the brown butter sauce, and it's just unbelievably delicious. Yeah, I, I, I'm crazy about this. I see a lot of cookbooks, and usually I like the chefy ones, but this one is like so – I didn't know how much I love maps until I, I went through this. All right, so I've been talking to Jack Bishop, the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen – and he's got this new book, Tasting Italy. It is, I think it might be my favorite book of the year. That's kind of crazy, but I think it might be. So, uh, Jack Bishop, thank you. Thank you. I mean, um, so much fun talking to you about Italy. I, you know, what's a better subject than Italy? There really isn't. It's so just maps, maps, Italy, and recipes. That's all I care about now. That's what we're all about. So, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, really great to reconnect. And um, yeah, you know, I'll meet you at the uh, Uptown Lunds. Rest- we'll get some more cabbages and cut them up and make them into a side dish. Yeah, and I hope times. the rest of your day is, ex- is maybe less exciting than the first half of your day. If it keeps going like this, I'm going to be. I feel like I'll be a superhero. So that'd be fun times. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. The book again was Tasting Italy. That's Jack Bishop. We come back. We'll go through some recipes, and then I will answer your questions. Got anything? You can text me eight one eight zero seven. Dara here. We're going to go through some recipes. We have good ones this week. Okay. So I called them the Italian comfort food recipes because I didn't want, we couldn't just run tasting Italy recipes. We had to do some other things. So we've got five great recipes because you want to cook. All right. We got the text line open. I've got one very excellent thing that I, that you've told me is in the oven. Everybody, text me. What are you cooking? 81807. We're going to get to that next because I love to hear what people are up to. What kind of comfort? What kind of comforts are you creating for yourself indoors in this unseasonable cold snap? Are you filling your crock pot with apple cider and having some having some warm apple cider? That's a good one. I made uh, everybody's a little bit sick in my house now, so we had to. Everybody's having warm lemon honey tea. I love that. That's a good thing. Okay, that's what we're up to. All right, so here's what we've got on the radio, wccoradio.radio.com. <laughs> and you can put in menu and you'll get right there. The top five Italian-American comfort foods of my week. This tasting Italy gnocchi with fontina sauce. Ugh, do you love macaroni and cheese? Are you ready to, in the immortal words of the television, kick it up a notch? There's nothing more comforting, nothing richer, nothing more delightful than a just a gnocchi with fontina sauce. Come on, that's rich. That's rich living. Pour a nice glass of wine, cuddle up. That's the, that's the end. That is the miraculous end of everything sad when you have some gnocchi and a nice warm nice warm inside place to eat it that's what's up on the website wccoradio.radio.com that tasting italy gnocchi so nice and then i got a classic grandma pie a mozzarella grandma pie that's a, a grandma pie is what we call a pizza that's like squished into a sheet pan you don't need any fancy pizza stones you don't need to throw it up into the ceiling fan none of that you're squishing it it's a squishy 
down into a, some people call it a Sicilian, some people call it a grandma pie. There's a book coming out in the spring that's just nothing but grandma pies. I can't wait. That's why I have this recipe up, because I can't wait. All right, I've got a recipe up for cacio e pepe. That's Roman spaghetti with black pepper and cheese. One of the simplest recipes out of Italy. One of the best. That new restaurant in St. Paul, Hyacinth, has a cacio e pepe that's so creamy. It's so good. Oh, I could just eat that all day. Delicious. Get a reservation to Hyacinth or make your own cacio e pepe. It's an inexpensive recipe and so delightful. I've got a pot roast for those of you that want to get your crock pot going, want something meaty. I've got the Pioneer Woman's Italian pot roast. You, We've had Pioneer Woman re-drumming on the show. You know her. She's got a good idea. She's got a couple of jars of roast Italian peppers, red peppers. Dump them in with the pot roast. Jar of artichokes, garlic cloves. That's good. And then this one, I don't know if everyone's going to like this. This is a personal Dara favorite, which is a milk braised pork shoulder. You you take a you know big pork butt, then you get a cup of milk, you put that in with everything. The sauce can look a little curdled, which is why I think it's not everybody's favorite, but the flavor is just so good. I just it's one of my favorite winter dishes. So we've got the top five Italian comfort foods. We're gonna come back, we're gonna have a long ask me anything. Ooh, I've got some recipes lining up here on the text line. 81807. Oh, you people. Oh, you're going to want to hear. These are some good things. You're cooking some more things. Text me. 81807. All right. We got, we're going to talk about cookies. Yeah, we are. So I was asking you at the top of the show, what is the best? What's your favorite? What's your favorite? We're going into cookie season. There's cookie exchanges coming up. What do you got? Is Are you a snickerdoodle? Are you a peanut butter blossom? So far on the text line, I got a molasses cookie vote that is that is a delicious cookie if you do a molasses cookie do you put a spice in it do you put the whole you know cardamom and everything i love that i love a i love a good cardamom cookie i didn't used to i didn't i didn't grow up with cardamom cookies to me cardamom is something i only discovered once i moved to minnesota and it is i love it molasses cookie is a good one. Ooh, i got one for peanut butter blossoms and I love your show. And I love that you wrote that in, helping with my self-esteem. Peanut butter blossoms are a joy. If you put a bunch of peanut butter blossoms on a sideboard and it's a party, people are going to clear those off first. I have I have proof. I've seen that with my own eyes. All right, I got uh, – you got time. You got another cookie you want to you wanna put in the mix? I also asked you for what are you cooking – Oh, there are hot popovers right out of an Anoka oven. Come on. That's a good thing. Hot popovers? Popovers with butter? You would not get a better food than a popover with butter. That is just delicious. I got a question about a Thanksgiving prep show. That was last week. And is it available as a podcast? My friend, all of these are available as a podcast. If you put... Off the menu, Dara podcast into your search bar. You're going to come up. It's on Stitcher. It's on Radio.com. We have a snazzy logo. It's super cute. You're going to like it. A lot of people do listen by podcast. I love I love my podcast listeners. I think my mom does sometimes. So, mom, 
I think that you should make some more mushroom meringues, you know, little meringues shaped like mushrooms, because I would like those for Christmas. There, that's embedded in the show. We'll see if she listens as much as she says she does. Aha, secrets. Um, yeah, so they're all up there. And not only, but last week's recipes, the do-ahead, you know, start experimenting, getting things done, those are all up at WCCORadio.com. There's a whole uh, vertical of all the recipes that are ever up here. All right, we got one person making meatloaf and potatoes in the Instant Pot. Both of them together? Is it like a shepherd's pie situation? Very interesting. Meatloaf is a great dish. I love it. All right, so tomorrow we got a a listener who's making pork roast, mashed potatoes, and gravy, and to top it off a homemade apple pie. That's good because I'm coming there to have that. Pork roast. Pork roast is something we don't talk about that much, but it is kind of the vernacular Minnesota dish, right? You get a uh, Amy Thielen in her memoir, uh, Give a Girl a Knife. She talks about pork roast extensively, and it made me remember, you know, how many people kind of grow up with that good set of pork roast with a fat cap on the top, and you just cook it all day till it's uh, soft. That is a that is a. If you learn how to do that, you eat well your whole life. One of the many things I enjoy about food is that it, the, the equality of it all, right? If you're the president of France, you're not eating any better than this uh, person in, who's having a pork roast, mashed potatoes, and gravy and a homemade apple pie in the 651. It doesn't, you know, I don't care how much money you have. It doesn't get any better than that. All right, so I got another one uh, someone's making in their crock pot. Pork roast with carrots, onion, potatoes, and cabbage, and baking sugar cookies. That's living. Ooh, we've got a, an adventurous cook who's making Peruvian bean and pumpkin stew with cumin and thyme. The house smells delicious. I bet it does, and you're going to – that's that's one of those things. I try to mix up my breakfasts and have things that are, you know, like high fiber, low glycemic index. That means that it releases sugar slowly. And so, uh, ooh, a Peruvian bean and pumpkin stew. That would be a good breakfast and as well as a good dinner. Um, pumpkins are so full of all good antioxidants and uh, B vitamins. I think that those – I was looking at all the like, cans of pumpkin on sale at the store the other day. And I was thinking, you know, I should just start dumping cans of pumpkin into the in, – every time I do something. If I make lentil soup, just hide some pumpkin in there just for nutrition. That's how my mind works. Oh, Dan in Lakeville is coming out for ginger snaps, the hard ones. Yes, that is a good cookie. Do you ever make a ginger snap with the crystallized ginger kind of chunked in there? Just like a chocolate chip, except it's chunks of ginger. It's a little powerful, but I do like that. Oh, we got a we got a Russian tea cake. Somebody has texted in that they favorite cookie is the Russian tea tea cake with the powdered sugar that's so crumbly that is delicious people should make those more i don't see that many russian tea cakes lately um those are those are a great thing oh we've got someone making a chicken pot pie i love a good chicken pot pie i recently made a whole bunch of chicken pot pie filling and then i put it in the put kind of portioned it and put it in the freezer and then we can have chicken pot pie like in a jiff sort of uh, with some puff pastry on the top. That was a good decision I made, and I would encourage you to do the same. That was a 
good thing. All right, so I got a, a recipe for oh, we got a cookie vote for date filled oatmeal cookies. Yeah, a good oatmeal cookie is a great thing. Um, a bad oatmeal cookie, if you don't cook them enough, then I get kind of bent out of shape about an oatmeal cookie. But a really good one, that is a good thing. Oh, somebody's making uh, made a crockpot chicken wild rice soup last night. Yeah, I love a good chicken wild rice soup. We could do a whole show on the evolution of the classic Minnesota chicken wild rice soup. I was in the co-op the other day, and they had a, a, a chicken wild rice soup with almond milk, I assume for people with dairy allergies. And I tried it. It was good. It wasn't uh, – I like dairy. I like a good, thick, creamy, you know, cream of chicken wild rice soup. But, I mean, if you, I guess if you have a dairy allergy, the almond milk variation was quite good. Ooh, someone is roasting cherry tomatoes from a garden with Parmesan and garlic. How – do you still have cherry tomatoes? It's 18 degrees out. You're a hero. Do you have a, a, a tunnel, one of those fabric tunnels that you can extend the season? There's some good gardeners out there. I have, I, all of my cherry tomatoes are long gone. We lost those long before, before Halloween. And then also a favorite cookie is a meringue kiss. Yeah, a meringue kiss is a great thing. And you love the show, and I love you because we are building self-esteem and Praising cookies. So many good cookies here. Oh, John Hines is on the tax line. Hello, Mr. Hines. He's just back from Ireland where his daughter-in-law served up a delicious Guinness stew. That that sounds like some good living. You know, that is a – in Europe, they call it – you know, if you do your pot roast with beer, you call it a carbonade. And a carbonade has such good flavor, and you could do that with any of the – Fancy micro brew, you know, brews. You can go get some kind of a, you know, a stout here in town or a milk stout. You can get a Scottish ale, an amber ale. And then one of the nice things is that you can, you know, put one in the pot, have one for you, and then you can serve it and you know exactly what to serve it with. Yes, I like that. And then you can invite John Hines over and that would be fun. Nice to hear you, John Hines. All right, we got a we got a shout out for bar cookies. Bar cookies are such a time saver. They are, and a seven layer bar is a very favored cookie. That's another one. If you put your seven layer bar cookies on the sideboard, they will also disappear in a second. All right, they are good. We got a we got one for a, a steel cut oats with maple sugar in the crock pot this morning. Yes, that is a good use of your crock pot. Makes your house smell good. Then you get some steel-cut oats out of the deal. You get some oatmeal, and it's delicious. And one of the good things about using the steel-cut, I don't know if everybody knows this, but the kind of instant oatmeal, it has to be milled. It has to be powdered to make it you know, available to, to rehydrate so quickly. And that makes it have a, you know, the glycemic index goes like way up, and it's your body can just get all the sugar out of it really fast. But uh, steel-cut oats, then it, it just releases the carbs slower. It takes your body a longer time to get through them. I've gone so far as to try the next one, which is oat groats. Those are, they're not, the oats themselves are not steel-cut. They're just solid. They're as the, as the Lord made them. And they're very chewy. They're a little too chewy. You understand why people got to milling oats. It's, <laughs> oat groats are, are uh, 
very healthy, and maybe they go too healthy. All right, we got another cookie vote. This we're only got about three more minutes for cookie votes. You just run to your text line eight one eight zero seven if you want me to know. We got a Russian tea cake vote with a hot cup of Darjeeling tea. That is not only good. That seems like the afternoon of the czars. Your Princess Katerina and you could do well together. Russian tea cake with hot tea. That is a good idea. All right, we got a vote for toffee squares. That is a Nice. Smash up some Heath bars. Got that going? Or are you making your own toffee? I like it. Ooh, someone's making bonbon cookies with a Reese's peanut butter cup in the middle. Yeah, while your kids aren't looking, get into the Halloween candy. Grab them. <laughs> Just start, start putting them into cookies. That would be that would, that would make me some enemies in my own home, so I better not do that. But uh, those Reese's peanut butter cups, they are a prized Halloween treat. My kids uh, guard them. They put them in. They they portion them out. Bring one to lunch every week. All right. So then there's a, a somebody's got a crock pot going with pork carnitas in a crock for a nacho bar party tonight. Yeah, that's a good party, right? You got your pork carnitas in the crock pot. Just stays warm there. Minnesotans know how to use a crock pot better than I'd never seen this before. I came out here. You know, you have a work party and everyone just kind of shows up, and some people have some. Uh, chicken and biscuits in a crock pot like it's a dip and it's made with canned chicken yeah that's so fun all right we've got somebody um if you're a somebody has a comment on the groats if you're a goat you will love the groat i think that's well put they are they do start to feel more for livestock than people all right so i got a question um vegan cheese do i think that it is a cheese no, I don't. I think all cheese is a dairy substance, and it should be uh, dairy. All right, next week, we're doing more cookies. We got uh, Lee Dean and Rick Nelson from the Star Tribune. And they're going to talk about their big cookie contest book. We'll get deeper into the psyche of cookies. Until uh, then, may your brown sugar stay soft and your courage remain firm, and I'll meet you back here on Off the Menu next week.